my friends. The great experiment. Down on the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Hidden. Trend. Trend. Would you look at that? The greatest trend. Trend. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison, recording live on tape from a hotel room in Chicago. I don't mind shouting out the name, the Royal Sinesta, a a hotel chain I'd never heard of before today. I looked at their website because I was like, is this really a chain? Like, what? I've never heard this either. And uh, they also operate a river cruise in Egypt. You can yeah. take a, a Royal Sinesta, like, sailboat cruise of the Nile. What you want to do is diversify the portfolio. And that's what they're doing. They've got a, one hotel in Chicago and one weird boat in Egypt. <laughs> We're staying here because uh, we got... You know, like when you uh, when you do a wedding, you get the room block at the hotel for your guests. Yeah, this is one of the rare live shows we're doing where the venue like had rates at a hotel, and Chicago is fucking expensive. It is fucking expensive. We've really taken it on the chin a couple of times on our stays in Chicago on past tour shows, and. <laughs> When you do a live show, you get an email that's like the advance email that you go over all the technical requirements, you send them your W-9 so that they can pay you, a bunch of other stuff goes on. And this one, they included like four or five links to hotels, and they get like a preferred client rate at these local hotels. I don't think I've ever seen this happen in another show advance, and I've been advancing our shows for, you know, since we've been going on tour. We've been touring for time in Miriam. And this is the first time this happened. Yeah, like five years in, we get a fucking break on the on the room rate. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing: the Royal Sinesta gets a break on uh, on the light bulb costs because darkest hallways in the hotel game. <laughs> that's that's the brand promise of the Hotel Sinesta. I keep having this thing where I leave my room to like go get a bucket of ice or go you know, go out and get a cup of coffee or something. And there's always somebody in the, in the hallway that's asking if I want service on my room, but I can't see them. So it's just like somebody like yelling at me from, you know, dozens of yards away. That's creepy. <laughs> like down a dark hallway going, sir, excuse me. And I'm like, ah, what? <laughs> that's that person's job is to just stand in the hallway and yell at you. Yeah. To see, see if, if you want a vacuum in your room or something. Yeah. I need to stop leaving my room with my headphones in. At this place. You do. It's I, too dark for that. I need to keep my head on a swivel. Yeah. It's like uh, when you leave your hotel room, it's the dark corner on a city street where the street light's out. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. <laughs> You're like, how dangerous could this possibly be? Ah, somebody's trying to clean my room. <laughs> I'm on the 39th floor. There's a parked car up here. <laughs> <laughs> That used to be a thing at, like, Bananas Republic, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, in the 90s, they'd actually have, like, a Jeep parked in there. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to car as decoration for a place? Banana Republic used to be, like, safari-themed. Yeah. And now it's just, like... Now it's business safari, am I right? I think the theme is sad desk salad. Mm, It is. (laughs) 
That's really like, that's the promise of a technical business garment that, that goes unmentioned. Like, look, you can spill your coffee on it or whatever. But what I want to see is like a dressed leaf of salad oh, yeah. dropped onto a pant leg. I want, I want to see what happens when a pickled beet that is <laughs> slathered in a balsamic vinaigrette lands on my groin. <laughs> <laughs> just a super close-up composition of a lumpy groin and a leaf like slapping on it like a heavy leaf i've, I've shot some corporate video stuff for gap inc i uh, I, I shot their uh their like quarterly business report video one year mm-hmm if I were ever to land a gig shooting a television commercial for Banana Republic, we would rig up some kind of like t-shirt cannon or similar to fire single discs of pickled beets with balsamic vinaigrette on them at a crotch. And the whole video would just be this crotch thrusting <laughs> the discs away like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> and the fabric, pristine. I'm shocked that this wasn't a professional avenue for you. <laughs> I, I pitched some of my best ideas to these people. They never see the vision. It's too I'm bad. I'm not a good salesman. Yeah. I'm a good director. I'm not a good salesman. If only you could have convinced them psychically <laughs> that these were good ideas. Yeah. If only my mind state was quite as infectious as I wish it was. Yeah. And uh, that brings us to today's episode, doesn't it? <laughs> I suppose it does. Like mental chicken pox, there's an outbreak on the Cerritos. Let's get into this episode, Ben. It's Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 4, Episode 5. Empathological fallacies? You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Again, no cold open. We have done away with the cold open. At this point, I don't want cold opens anymore. You don't want a little, little joke before your title sequence? Did it seem like they added to the space battle this episode? Ooh, I wasn't paying super close attention. It seemed like it was uh, less of a skirmish and more of a full-on firefight out there. Huh. I wonder if that uh, I mean, I'm not keeping score, but I probably should be by now. I wonder if that ship that keeps vaporizing everybody will be in that battle at some point. Yeah, it seems like it could really clean up the mess. Who do you think wins? Whale probe or tilt ship? I think it's whale probe, and it's not even close. Yeah, whale probe kills everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, we're getting a T-Lens log, or it's not even really a log. It's like a report slash letter back to her commanding officer in the Vulcan equivalent of Starfleet. Like, I know this has been possible for a long time, but, like, have you or would you ever write an email using Siri or something, like, to just... Dictate it. Hmm. This is what T Lynn's doing. Yeah. I've done it for text messages while I'm driving, which does not feel less dangerous somehow. Like it feels as distracting as like Yeah, you're not thinking about driving. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is I'm unsafe at any speed. Car's still in the shop? I'm getting it back next week. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. But yeah, she's uh, helping to babysit some Betazoid woo girls. Despite the crew's enthusiasm, I find the Betazoid's exuberance disruptive. So it turns out Luangsana Troy was not a an anomaly among Betazoid ambassadors. They are party animals. They get yards of cocktail and uh, go from fun party planet to fun party planet, enjoying fancy dinners and 
having giant busty dresses. The one thing I recognized from this scene and this entire episode is that it doesn't get more annoying the more Luaxana types you add to a situation. Like it's already pinned. <laughs> like you could add one or two or a thousand more and it's still just as annoying. <laughs> and I think the the type of annoying is like if you are the latest person to arrive at a party where everyone's already drunk or whatever. Like yeah. you're just on that, you're not on that wavelength, are you? And it doesn't really feel like there's a possibility to catch up. Yeah. And you'd need to drink a lot of hoof to catch up and no one's got the appetite for that. I was shocked that there was not a, a pink zebra hoof in this episode. Maybe, maybe they don't know us like we had assumed. Yeah. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they know that the purple zebra is closed on the Cerritos, and this is some other oh uh, shit, some other stand. Wow, yeah, the purple zebra is only open from one thirty p.m. to two p.m. on <laughs> Saturdays. <laughs> Peep this itinerary. These three Betazoids were on Angel One for three weeks before this. I don't believe this. And they are on their way to Riza. This is, uh, I mean, you have a three-night limit on Vegas. These three go way harder than you. These dresses don't cover the backs, right? <laughs> because they are blown the fuck out. They are a bunch of sexy drunks, and this is an Uber mission. I'm proud to shuttle a bunch of sexy drunks around. <laughs> we are catching up with them in the hallway where they're just kind of, you know, bringing their party wherever they set their feet. Loved seeing Ransom just step on the rake of trying to get with Cthulhu and failing immediately for not being hard enough to get. He stepped on a rake with his butt cheeks. Dirty <laughs> officer. That's what I'm talking about. The cartoonish depiction of like the credit card prank move <laughs> using the yard o Rita as a thing. <laughs> <laughs> was hilarious to me. Like someone put in the work artistically of animating that to put Yardo Marg through Ransom's butt cheeks. Mm -hmm. Does Nelly get a kickback from that? Like, do, is that like God, intellectual so. property where they do have to like license the, the use of credit card in butt crack yeah. technology? Ransom's got to know better. He's got to play that cooler, right? <laughs> yeah, he really does. No one's playing it cool this episode, and it really starts here. Yeah. So uh, the three diplomats are Cathew, Delorix, and Catret. Uh, were the names I wrote down? I had a hard time with these names. Yeah. So they send T-Lynn off to get them more glowing green drinks. I noticed that there were glowing blue drinks when she showed back up. Oh? T-Lynn fucked up. Hmm. That wasn't what they ordered. I mean, if they were the color of like Baja Blast or whatever, that's like between green and blue. Right. But these were not that. These no. were straight green. They were they were light blue when she came back. I think they have green drinks at the beginning. but uh, Oh, God. Yeah. I fucking blew that. Yeah. I mean, but Teelan, we find out, doesn't partake. So maybe Teelan doesn't know from drinks. But she knows from colors. She's got to be able to see colors. Are, are Vulcans like dogs? Do they know. have limited color range? We're asking more questions than providing answers. Well. <laughs> Our show is, is not academic. One question I never thought to ask was, would Dr. Katz... Her name is Dr. Tana. 
like to eat a betazoid if it was allowed? And the answer, it turns out, is yes. Yeah. Ah, I didn't realize there was going to be a buffet today. <laughs> Everybody has a good sense of humor about this. Is this new canon, or have we always known that uh, that the cats people eat the betazoids? It seemed like new canon to me. It, it was news to me, I'll say. Yeah. But, like, it's water under the bridge. Like, the betazoids aren't super busted up about it. It's okay for Dr. Katz to make jokes about it in a way that like, even if like the oppression has ended, the former, the person identified with the group of the former oppressor shouldn't usually yeah. make these jokes, but Dr. Katz does it freely and the Betazoids all think it's fun and cool. Everyone's great. Yeah. Everyone's over it. Everybody's totally gotten over it. Now we only eat synthetic Betazoid. <laughs> Over in the Cerritos bar, the party continues as T. Lynn narrates her letter. And by the end of it, we learn that she's writing this in order to get reinstatement yeah. onto her old ship with her old crew. And she kind of signs off with like a sad promise to be better, to do better, to not be the officer that they kicked out. And she can't send the message. And it's not because she can't emotionally bring herself to send the message. She hits that button a lot. Yeah. The message just isn't going through. We learn from Mariner, who pokes her head in, that comms are extremely limited due to the high priority ambassadors they have on board. So uh, Tealyn's not going to be able to send this for a little while. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting letter because it's like Vulcans are not dance around the the thing they want and try to ask it without asking it types. Mm -hmm. T. Lynn is like, it's only logical for you to reinstate me. Like, <laughs> you will inevitably conclude upon reading this letter that I need to come back is basically the the text that she's sending. I don't think there's anything about the first half of her letter that's compelling in the way that she thinks it is because, like, this is supposed to be punishment. Yeah. She's supposed to be over here... And it's supposed to be bad for her. And her description of all the ways that it's bad for her, I don't think is going to move that needle at all. Yeah, the Vulcans are like, going to be like, that sounds like it sucks ass exactly yeah. the way we, ho we hoped it would. Yeah, yeah. Mariner is really trying to get Tealyn to go join the party. And uh, Tealyn is not into it. The greatest trick. We cut over to Boimler and Rutherford's quarters and... Uh, Boimler is trying to memorize the names of every person on the crew, like with visual aids, like flashcards yeah. on an iPad. Like This is what Facebooks used to be before Facebook. I wish I had one of these just for my life. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. I am so bad at this and I feel like it is like a real like successful person thing mm -hmm. to be good at. Like, mm -hmm. hey, good to see you again, Adam. Like I learned your name once and it stuck to me. <laughs> Perfectly. I think also, though, like a lot of people overstate how meaningful that is. Like that's a sign of a successful person and a go-getter. But when someone remembers my name and I've only met them once, like years ago, I kind of think it's weird and creepy. <laughs> I, guess I don't describe like goodness or go-getterness to it. Yeah, but I'll, at the same time, like I feel like if you met George Clooney at a party... And then, like, he saw you he could do two no years wrong. later, and he was yeah. like, hey, Adam, nice to see you. You'd be like, oh, my God, Cody remembered my name. 
Anytime I, I hear George Clooney's name mentioned, I have to <laughs> also mention that great Esquire story of that writer who shit his pants on his white couch doing the interview with him. You shit on my house! And how fucking cool George Clooney was about that. I don't remember this. That sounds great. You got to look it up. It's like a long form profile of George Clooney. I think it was written like 10 years ago. But the story within the story is the author going through some things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tremendous. Wow. What a brave thing to publish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Rutherford's being a bro here, comforting him about, look, man, like you're never going to memorize this stuff. Why don't you just go to the party? Just take take it easy. Take a page from the greatest tech playbook. If you hear somebody's name is Merp, assume it's Murph yeah. and don't worry about getting Lean it right. Lean into it hard. <laughs> Bonus! And Boimler kind of wants to treat the party as a reward for memorization. So he's going to stay behind. Rutherford fucks off, goes into the corridor, and real secret-like, yeah. blurps in a message to Shax. I love the the way Rutherford falls into shadow when he <laughs> steps into the frame to make this call. Like It's, it's suddenly dark and semi-sinister when he says that he's got a uh, potential candidate for the program. <laughs> I mean, this is a art style they did to him back when there was that mystery storyline yeah. about evil Rutherford. Right. I love it. I, I think it's great. Red Eye Rutherford, RSVP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said about showing up at a party where everybody's already drunk, T Lynn like, works herself up into a, I can't send this message, but it would be logical to go ask when I can, mm-hmm. and shows up at the party serving sober October while everybody else is like New Year's Eving it. <laughs> it's a riot in there. I love everyone and everything. And this is a scene like a lot of scenes like it in this episode that really rewards some scrutiny to the background. There's the background a lot of fun. things going on yeah. in every scene. I really thought we were going to get some Boimler gape based on where this episode started to head at this point. Do you think you have to do a, a Baryon sweep to the bar after that one episode <laughs> with the fuck fest? Yeah, probably. You have to, right? Yeah. It sort of seems like Freeman and Tilan are the two that aren't partied out. Like Freeman seems like frazzled and fucked up, but not out of control mm-hmm. in a way that many of the others are. Captain Freeman! <laughs> Starfleet had this kind of party in them. We don't. The Trill girl is going to go, like, change their course to slow them down so that they can laissez-laissez bon temps roulette. And, like, Tila has to Vulcan neck pinch her to stop that. (laughs) It's crazy that she's permitted to do this without comment. (laughs) I mean, the captain is desperate to get this party over with because the captain is stressed about it. Have you ever gotten up onto a bar and stood on it to do a thing or say a thing or stage dive? I have never coyoted ugly. That sounds like fun. Yeah. I don't think I'm hot enough, you know? Like, I think you have to be really hot to do that. Hey, you're not hot enough. Nobody not hot gets away with standing on a bar. As soon as you put a foot up onto a bar, like not having gone all the way up there, someone would stop you. Yeah, sorry, sir. This is for hotties only. (laughs) Only baddies need apply to get up on this bar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no one is stopping. Like Freeman gets their attention, but her 
I mean, if they're even orders, which I don't think they are, like they just fall on deaf ears. Yeah. So you would think that this was starting to turn into a bit of a security situation, but um, Shax is nowhere to be found because he's down in some secret part of the ship that Boimler has never been to, leading him to, quote unquote, the program. Boimler's excited, trying to imagine what this is going to be. Is it going to be some kind of like secret spy training or, or what? The dream is like the, the Wayne's World door of like opening it up and there's like a ninja army back there <laughs> training, right? That's what he's thinking it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Or a red match, you know? Yeah. Sunkatsu! <gasps> but instead, it's like a security department speakeasy. Yeah, and not the fun, like, drinky kind of speakeasy. Mm-hmm. It's the poetry slam kind of speakeasy. Did you feel like this was at all related to the A story? In that, like, it it had any relationship to the psychosis going around the ship? It felt like it was a way to get Boimler and his gape away from the psychosis and to let it run rampant a little bit before security tried to get on top of it. Of all of the callbacks this show does, to not make Boimler's thing his gape... Probably good restraint, right? <laughs> I guess so. I, I wouldn't have that kind of restraint if I was in Mike McMahon's shoes. But <laughs> up in the party, T. Lynn starts to speculate that the crew is going wild with xanthi fever, which is uh, the disease that Lwaxana brought to Deep Space Nine on the Peldor Joy episode. Right. What are you looking at me for? That was the one that famously uh, had Jake crushing on uh, Major Kira. Yeah which really just called into question what was Jake doing before he started crushing on Major Kira because everybody that sees Major Kira has a crush on her, right? Yeah, that seems like that would just feel normal on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, this is like not a plot point. (laughs) Because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It's me, Jake! Freeman doesn't want to believe it for diplomatic reasons, right? Like, she's got her eye on the mission prize. Right. And yet, like, uh, if you're keeping your eye on the mission prize, you would think that you would be doing as much diplomacy to these ambassadors as possible. But she is so blunt with them at this point. She's like, yeah, T. Lynn says you got this this fever. You got to go to Six Bay and get checked out for it. And we go into, like, telepathic audio, like, of the, of the Zoids uh-huh. communicating with each other. And they start talking about if their cover is blown. Yeah. What mean? Did you understand Freeman's deal to be just as affected as everyone else? And this is the way she presents her version of this psychosis. She didn't seem that different from the way a captain would be during a situation like this. The frazzledness, like they they draw like the extra mm-hmm. messiness into her hair. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like her behavior is a little bit more stressed out than normal. Yeah. But I feel like Freeman is always pretty stressed out just as a baseline. Mm-hmm. So it didn't quite read to me like why Freeman was reacting really differently from everybody else. One thing that's running in the background here and through every other scene is that like, you can't really radio for help because their radio silence is functional. Like they don't want to get blown up by this mystery ship we've seen in the cold opens. Yeah. Everybody's scared of the mystery ship. We need to score a lot of black fast. 
I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. It has been a long time coming that podshop.biz is as good as it is. The stuff on there is just really high quality and there's a ton of variety. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, obviously, but we've got hats, we've got mugs, we've got water bottles, patches, mouse pads, shower shoes. There's so much great stuff on there. I'm really proud of what we have on offer. I'm proud that the store has a lot of really great size-inclusive options, and uh, I think there's enough variety that just about any friend of DeSoto could find something that they'd really love to have in their collection at podshop.biz. So head over there and give it a look. Why don't you? Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, there's a new ship. She's got the right name. She's got the right name. Now you remember that, you hear? Now you remember that, you hear? Party's over and they go to the six bay and start scanning and... You know, more opportunities for Dr. Katz to make I want to eat these people jokes and they get a clean bill of health. They do not have Xanthi fever, which is a disappointment, right? Yeah, that would have been, you know, episode over mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. All you need is a broad spectrum antiviral <laughs> and a little sip of pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> you can't block the door on three drunk betazoids. Yeah. Because, uh, their lipstick turns into police batons. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And they rip off their big skirts and uh, reveal themselves to be BIA officers who will sooner die than allow themselves to be taken captive by the Federation. They kick a lot of ass. They really do. I thought it would have been nice if their high heels had also like flattened out for more <laughs> tactical effectiveness because they're doing a lot of like flip kicks and stuff. And I felt like they could, uh, you know, just save themselves some like ankle injuries over over the long haul. If they're you know like the the lipstick extends, it telescopes out. Mm-hmm. The high heel telescopes in. Yeah, it would be like the Inspector Gadget montage. Like every time, <laughs> doesn't his car change into a, a spy car or something? Probably. Wasn't that a sequence to that show? Yeah, I could never figure out when that show was on. I wanted to be a fan, but I. Probably only seen like half of an episode. They kept moving it around the Nickelodeon schedule. Yeah, man. I, I just never. I like the theme song a lot. Yeah. It's good. Great song. Back in the security grotto, it's charades time. And Boimler is getting even more bummed about whatever it is this is going on with the security folks. Nothing serious is what it is. Yeah. Like the charades is obvious and boring to him. <laughs> Slumming in a bucket! Ah, it's Constable Odo from Deep Space Nine. Uh, Mr. Bucket? <laughs> Is that just beginner's luck? <laughs> like, they're all thinking it's got to be something harder than Odo? I don't know. Like, my friends who are or were in the military have occasionally shared that, like, you know, you think you enlist because it's going to be a lot of action. But what you don't realize until you get there is that it's so fucking boring. (laughs) It's boring 99.9% of the time. Yeah. Punctuated by terror. But the rest of the time, it's boring and smelly. (laughs) And this is like the experience that Boimler's having. This is why we thank people for their service, you know? Yeah. They put their psyches on the line for boring and smelly. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't do it. So these secret agent ladies now take the bridge and Captain Freeman thinks that the bridge officers are going to be some kind of match for them, but of course they are not. 
they get their asses absolutely kicked. This has got to make Freeman feel pretty bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you feel bad? There's only three of them. I mean, it's a different story when the security team shows up, but like you'd think that like other people in Starfleet would be as good at fighting. You know, like everybody in Star Trek, like Guinan was like a an expert marksman. <laughs> yeah, but like on those occasions that alien forces took over the D from the bridge. Yeah. Those bridge officers often got their asses kicked. Suck, yeah. This is an homage to that, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. What sucks about what happens after the Cerritos bridge is taken over is that it's steered into the neutral zone because evidently that's a shortcut yeah. to the Betazoid homeworld. Fastest way to the Betazoid homeworld is right through Romulan space. How could you be an intelligence officer and still think this is a good idea? <laughs> Still think that this is the best way to avoid being imprisoned? They must think that this is a safer route than hanging it out there for that mystery ship to destroy, right? Yeah, I mean, Romulans are the devil you know, I guess. And a Romulan ship has already been destroyed by this mystery ship, so maybe you could talk your way through the neutral zone like that. Yeah. Mystery ship right behind us. Better run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I swear, officer. <laughs> The Cerritos puts on a t-shirt that says, if you see me running, try to keep up. <laughs> yeah. Back with the crew, Dr. Katz gets Mariner and Teelin free from their hostage-style tie-up. And the tricorder on the ground near them has a surprising thing to report, that Teelin is the cause of this psychosis. She has Bendai syndrome, which is what Sarek had in that episode where he was dressed like bathrobe Batman. It's kind of an interesting comment on the repetition of similar storylines in TNG yeah, and in Deep Space Nine. Like, they really did kind of recycle that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the actual situation. They need to get up to the bridge to tell everybody about what's, what's really going on, what's causing everybody to go crazy. Freeman is up on the bridge with the secret agent, Womans. <laughs> There's a Zoid who leads a life of danger. She reads your mind and then she stays a stranger. <laughs> but Freeman manages to punch you. You almost got a complete lyric. I, uh, I, I wouldn't say I even almost got there. Um, Freeman managed to trigger the red alert, which like is happening right as Boimler is boiling over, getting angry at all the security people. So the security people leap into action, arm themselves, and I love how excited Boimler gets at the reveal of different sizes of phaser. This is what he's always wanted. This is like the scene in Backdraft where like the firehouse finally gets a call yeah. and you get to go out with them. I kind of wanted the button on the joke to be that there were also the like key fob phasers though. Like yeah. remember early TNG, some people had ones that were just like little tiny guys. Those should just be in a little dish by the door. <laughs> yeah. That's what Boimler should have, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't trust him with a full-size hand phaser. No, I don't either. Uh, so... So they start running up to take the ship back to respond to this red alert. Meanwhile, we uh, cut back to Mariner and T. Lynn, who have taken refuge in a closet as like most of the crew of the ship that were at that party claw at the door to try and kill them. I wasn't clear on 
how mortal the danger was. They seem really pretty mad at them. Party or die. Yeah. I mean, Mariner has to kick the the control panel on the door to, to lock it. Yeah. And then she complains that the larger problem that they're dealing with is unkickable. It is one of those rare types of problems that can't be kicked. Mm-hmm. Hate that. Yeah. I love like a sound check where you're just like some technological thing isn't working and then you kick it and it works. Tell me which sound check you're referring to. <laughs> Never Sometimes I want to kick myself. <laughs> I wanted to kick myself after our London show because we didn't ask for wedge monitors on stage and we really needed them. Yeah, we need them all the time. Got to hear that snare. You can't hear the fucking drops that we're playing or any of the music or anything. Yeah. Without wedge monitors. Yeah. Sounds like nothing. Really need the wedge. <sighs> Anyways, we learn a little bit about what the source of Thielen's stress is. This is, uh, you know, like uh, many diseases you get because you get stressed. You ever get little like uh, canker sores in your mouth if yeah. you're like real stressed out? No. No? Mm-mm. Is that just me? Yeah. What, what about shingles? You ever get shingles from being too stressed out? Never had shingles. Huh. Fuck. <laughs> so... I thought that was just a thing that Terry Bradshaw got and no one else did. Like, he's in commercials and stuff talking about a thing I'd never heard of. Are you just floating through life not stressed ever? I am really trying to be that in a way that I think you've noticed over the last year or so. Like, I'm trying to not let it roll off my back, but like pressure wash it off of my back. (laughs) Like through force of will. Wow. Sometimes it works. Yeah, I really need to... Life is stressful, man. I need it to sucks. pressure wash my stress because it's not not doing good things for me. It's yeah. not helping. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe part of my deal is just the denial of it. <laughs> that can't be healthy. <laughs> that, that, that is now your chair, Captain. There's the scene where security gets to, like, outside of the bridge and the ship is getting closer to the neutral zone and... Shax is trying to convince Dr. Katz to do her uh, de-escalation techniques or something that Maglimo gave them. Yeah. I hate those f***ing things. They don't appear to be working. No. Also not working is the uh, replicator that Maglimo is trying to use to make a bowl of barf soup. He's got to de-escalate himself. No kidding. I mean, I guess the doctor that prescribes himself medicine has a fool for a patient, but I think Maglimo... Might need to do some exercises of his own. Enjoy hell, replicator! There are some alien cultures in which barf is indistinguishable from soup, right? (laughs) (laughs) You just got to get in there, put on a brave face, eat that soup. It is rather piquant. It is zesty, isn't it? Speaking of de-stressing, Mariner really helps Teelan. Tilin shares her pain and grows stronger from the sharing. And it's because by being vulnerable about how much she's been trying to get off the ship and get back in the good graces of the Vulcan High Command gives Mariner an opportunity to give her some, you know, some nice compliments about how Vulcany she is, <laughs> how how uptight and up her own butt she is. Thank you, Mariner. I believe I needed to hear that. And if her captain can't recognize that, he's an idiot. Yeah. It's nice. You see T. Lynn's fists unclench. Mm-hmm. You see her shoulders drop a little bit. Yeah. And suddenly... It's a good feeling. Bendai syndrome is not affecting everybody on the ship. You can just, through force of will, get over Bendai syndrome. 
I wish that was true of shingles. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be the case. No. This is sick boy's room. Not a week's gone by. hasn't come down with some sort of ailment. Shingles, hepatitis, crabs. That was his fault. So they stop the ship just in time. Like security gets on board the bridge and variously beats up and disables the BIA officers that the bridge crew was no match for them, but it uh, is very easy for the security team to whoop the three of these ladies' asses. Right, because T. Lynn's psychosis is no longer an issue for the crew. Like, that's gone. And it never really was an issue for the security folks because they were just buried deep down in their uh, security grotto. Like, the proximity effect of what T. Lynn was projecting wasn't as apparent to them. I admire how much control Freeman had over what was in the part of her mind that was getting read because yeah. there's like a real housewives of Beta Z level spat that erupts between two of these mm-hmm. secret agents when Freeman shows her a memory of uh <laughs> Yeah, she's got it together to like mentally poison pill the telepathy between them in a really great way. Mad respect to Freeman for that. I don't think I have that much control over what I'm thinking about. Freeman's great. Good Freeman episode. Good Freeman episode. They stop the ship just in time and pull a U-turn. I loved the reveal that there was a cloaked Romulan ship. I was just like watching the episode thinking to myself, it would be so hilarious if they pull away on a ship decloaks right there. Yeah. (laughs) And sure enough, it did. (laughs) All the Romulans inside the ship are so disappointed. Okay, enough. Those Romulan double Ds, baby. Yeah. Great looking. Yeah. I'm glad that they haven't switched to only side-turned Romulan ships. Yeah, yeah. Make them wide. Make them wide. Those wide kings. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the Cerritos arrives at Risa. We don't get to see the the surface at all, which I was a little sad about. But uh, Their capacity for partying is so... I mean, it makes me tired to think about a three-week vacation followed by a Risa vacation. Yeah. These are women of a certain age drinking Rita's by the yard. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a vibe, man. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'm very good at drinking slushy beverages. You really are. And I admire them. <laughs> it's like a mixture of horror and admiration, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> just like most of our reviews. So Boimler has a has kind of a checkout talk with Shax about like what was all that man and turns out that this was Shax's attempt to help Boimler with his stress. Mm-hmm. Shax just thought Boimler needed to cut loose, relax, do something that wasn't work for a little bit, and this whole thing was security trying to protect his emotional well being. Man, was this security theater or is this what the security department does all the time? I think what Shax is saying is that, like, a lot of the time, this is what they're thinking about as security. What did you think? We just sat around all day practicing phasering people? It's pretty great. I don't think Worf was thinking like this. No. (laughs) Not at all. Or Odo, for that matter. Or Tuvok. Like, Shax is kind of a a unique one for this. I think more puzzle time would have helped Worf be a better father. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Finally... Freeman escorts the Loxanas back to the transporter room. Yeah. I was surprised they let her off the hook for this telepathic racism, not being able to tell one telepathic disease from another. It's fine. It's fine, I guess. 
Not a big deal. Yeah. Just like they're let it, willing to let the, the Dr. Katz's eating them in the past be water under the bridge. They're willing to... A lot of grace shown here. It's nice. It's really impressive by the Lawaxanas. And they're like, hey, sorry about all the confusion. Sorry about, uh, you know, spin kicking as many of your crew as we did. Here's a blurry picture of that ship that's been killing everybody. as a little parting gift, mm-hmm. which I feel like is great for Freeman, right? Gives her a real... If she's the one that solves this problem, like Starfleet's yeah. going to fucking love her. Yeah. Once they uh, can communicate again, that's going to be important. Yeah. And it turns out they can. We got a little hang uh-huh. in the bar at the end uh-huh. with Mariner and Teelin, and Teelin has decided not to send that letter. No. She can always send it later. Nothing's stopping her. No. This makes Mariner and Tendi very happy because yeah. it would appear as though she's going to remain on the ship for quite a while. So when Tendi said that Teelan is her best friend, do you think that that's because Tendi thinks everyone is her best friend? Or does she actually like Teelan more than she likes Mariner? To answer that with another question, do you think Tendi is a tragic figure? (laughs) She seems incapable of forming real friendships with people. I think she has a real friendship with Rutherford. If all you do is love everyone around you, Is that real? Because it's not like the full spectrum of your feelings and relationships to people that are possible. It's just like that one thing. I mean, I guess ask your puppy. It is puppy enthusiasm. And that is very real. (laughs) Good answer. All right. Yeah, I don't think, I don't consider her to be a tragic figure. Tendi's the puppy of the show She's and the it totally reframed how I feel about her. Yeah. That's fixed now. It's very interesting how much the button is about Tendi's like friendship thirstiness though, because it didn't really feel like that's what the episode was about, but that's the, really the note they end on. The note we need to end on is whether or not you like the episode, Ben. I did like this episode. I think so far this season, this is my favorite episode. Hmm. I thought the jokes were great. I really liked the Lwaxanas. I liked the world building of there being more than one Lwaxana. I guess like I wish we'd gotten their, you know, curriculum vitae, like when Lwaxana rattles off about the yeah, sacred yeah, chalice yeah. of reeks and all that stuff. That's fun. It's fun every time. I feel like each one of them should have had one of those. Here's a thing that popped into my head the second time I watched it that I don't really know what to do with, so I'll put it here, and maybe people can like reply to the Instagram or something and let us know what they think. There's three very bosomy ladies in this Betazoid trio. One of them has no cleavage line drawn on her. One of them has just a single line, and then one of them has the line that goes up, and then there's the little Y off of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the Wonder Bra cleavage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wondered, like, at some point in the character design process, they were like, what three kinds of ladies are these going to be? And do they all have the same cleavage or are we going to do different cleavage on them? (laughs) Well, you know how it goes, Ben. In every woman, there are three breasted wolves. It seemed very intentional, and I wondered if there was some semiotics to that, like, what what mean the different types of boob that they are repping here? Yeah. So, yeah. Semiotics of cleavage, an area of inquiry that I'm quite curious about. That seems like a community college class (laughs) that I could maybe audit. (laughs) 
yeah. if I find the time. Like, it seems like a lot of people are auditing this one and not a lot signing up for it. <laughs> not, not a lot of people are actually going to the bookstore and getting the textbook. Yeah, I think it was a fun episode, Ben, but I think it also suffered from that Star Trek Discovery thing where it told you what its message was pretty emphatically mm-hmm. at the end in a way that I just like to learn my lessons by observation and not like instruction. You, you like know? to learn your lessons the hard way. I do. Every time. I didn't like that aspect to it, but there was a lot about it that was good and funny outside of that. Yeah. And notably, Rachel Dratch was in this episode, and she is one of my favorite comic performers of any kind, voice or otherwise. And it was just great to hear her voice again doing funny things. She's always been a favorite. I am not a sanctimonious buzzkill. Tranch rules. I think all three of the Betazoid ladies were kind of famous. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the uh, voice performers get to weigh in on what the cleavage of their character is going to look like. I mean, you've got to know that because it affects your performance. Right. Yeah. Are, am I going to have the one line? Am I going to have the Wonder Bra like extra mm-hmm. line on the? Am I going to have no line? What does that mean? Exactly. Because she's she's stacked. She's got big boobs. Yeah. We should ask friend of the show, Robert Petkoff, like what effect <laughs> stuff like that has on a voice performer. I bet he'd know. Yeah. He'd know yeah. for sure. Well, one thing I know right now is we got to head over to check our priority one messages, Ben. Yeah. Let's see what kind of cleavage we've got in there. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, we got a one liner in here. Uh, it's a personal message. Okay. It's from Ryan from Sacktown, and it is to Ben and Adam. That message goes like this. I know this might be a little promotional, but hopefully you'll let it slide. In this P1, I wanted to recommend folks who might be skipping on your Voyager Epson TGG because they didn't like Voyager to give it a go. Wow. As an Asian guy, Voyager's Harry Kim bummed me out, but your take on his character has really helped redeem it for me. Thank you, guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow. I like hearing that. I'm guessing that what Ryan from Sacktown is referring to is our suspicion that Garrett Wong has bought almost every single prop that yeah. has ever been auctioned off from that show. I mean, that bums me out. Yeah. And Ryan from Sacktown needs to know that. Yeah. Thanks for getting a P1, Ryan. Thanks for asking people to listen to our show. Uh, Ryan from Sacktown gets a lot of P1s. I appreciate that. Yeah. If you would like to support the show via P1, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Write a couple words. Write a lot of words. We'll read them on the show. It's a great way to support the production of Greatest Trek and Greatest Generation. It is. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself an Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! I think it's going to be... Dr. Katz drinking a Yardo Rita right before surgery. <laughs> Do you think she just blurped a hypo spray into her neck to like negate the Yardo before oh. going in? I read somewhere one time that Synthahol is designed to let you enjoy the feelings of alcohol, but you can also add a thought, dismiss the intoxicating effects. Yeah. Which sort of I undercuts that. that joke. Mm-hmm. But I also really liked it, and I was also very impressed that the chugalug goes as fast as it does. Because Dr. Katz is like walking out of frame mm-hmm. when she takes that Yardarita to the dome. Yeah. And it's gone before she's out of frame. Time to get to surgery. Woof. 
Too cold. Too much. <laughs> yeah. That'd be tough. Do cats not get ice cream headaches? God, I don't know. Maybe that's another aspect of synthahols. You can dismiss your ice cream headache. Dr. Katz has a lot of problems. Do you think she's a great medical professional? No. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think she's kind of a liability. Yeah, I think the reason Dr. Katz is not constantly getting summoned to be the chairwoman of you know, the medical school at Starfleet Academy, the reason she's not serving on the flagship, yeah. the reason she's not Beverly Crusher, not Dr. Pulaski, is that she is kind of bad. She's got a lot of problems. going to really want a second opinion if Dr. Katz is doing the diagnosing. Ben, who's your Edward Larkin? Oh, I'm joining you on the Dr. Katz square. That was uh, one of my favorite moments of the episode. I thought it was really funny. Hey, I love it when we're in agreement. <laughs> ben, one thing we've agreed to do at the end of every episode of Greatest Trek is to launch a warning, Bois. Mm. It's a way that we recognize the many kind things said about our show out on the internet, and specifically the type of comment that would seek to invite new FODs into the fold, Yeah. while at the same time repelling those folks who just wouldn't get it, who maybe take Star Trek a little too seriously. Or don't like it for some reason. Or don't like us. What the fuck is wrong with them? Yeah, I don't know. We don't need them. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning, boys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. I have a warning bois here that I just wanted to read for a timely reason. This was a five-star review left on Apple Podcasts, London version. Whoa. Okay. So we couldn't even see this. Yeah, because we're, we're region locked to US version. The writer made sure to send it into Bill Tilly to make sure that we saw it. Okay. I did see it. I thought it was great. It was about the show in London and I thought I'd read it because it's fun. Amazing. Headline nipple signatures. <laughs> Five-star review. A week ago after a t-shirt choice crisis, Major League Domjot won, a mate and I consumed Korean barbecue, drank a few porch beers and saw your share your embarrassment tour at the London Podcast Festival. The guys didn't disappoint. The pod is great, but the live show is the greatest. Wow. Thanks to Adam and Ben for the show and for putting up with me losing any semblance of cool when they emerged from the green room after the show <laughs> to have me push my mate in front of them twice. <laughs> the first time to demand that they look at his cool t-shirt, a clockwork jack-off machine number he designed himself. <laughs> the second time to demand that they sign it on the nipples, obviously. <laughs> They were seemingly happy to do it and put up with multiple handshakes from someone who now feels a little bit embarrassed about how they behaved in front of a couple of people, a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Adam, Ben, Wendy, and Bill, I salute you. You are truly the greatest. Well, thank you, reviewer. That is super nice of you to say. You shouldn't feel embarrassed. We, we had a great time hanging out with you and your mate. Pretty fun to push open the door of the backstage area and just be like... Sieged. It was it was so fun and cool. Yeah. Felt great to sign everything shoved in front of us. The UK FODs were a delight, and it was so cool to to get to do that. Yeah. Definitely want to go back to London. Won't be the last you see of us. Inshallah. Well, thanks to everyone who leaves a nice review or posts online about the show, helps us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your words coming out of our mouths on a future segment of Warning Boise. That is it for today's episode of this greatest track that we're recording on the road during our tour. 
If you haven't got tickets to the Share Your Embarrassment Tour yet, go to greatestgentour.com. We're reviewing Star Trek V. It's really fun. Don't just take our word for it. The reviews are in. People yeah. in the UK liked it. Yeah. They hate everything. <laughs> yeah, that felt good. We won them over. Yeah. yeah so. We've got a special relationship with London FODs. <laughs> So uh, go get a ticket, and uh, maybe you'll hear a little something about next week's episode in the credits, which will start playing very shortly. Take it away, Wendy. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next Friday, Ben and Adam will be back to talk about Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 6, which is titled Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. At the end of every episode, we want to thank all the folks who help make this show possible. Most importantly, the MaxFun members who support on a monthly basis. Members get access to the entire back catalog of bonus content, as well as new bonus episodes being released each month. It's easy to set it up at MaximumFun.org join, and we really appreciate everyone who does that. We also want to thank Adam Ragusea, who composed all of the original music that you hear on this show. You can check out his YouTube cooking channel and podcast by searching for Adam Ragusea. Thanks to Nick Ditmore for creating the show art, and thanks to Bill Tilly for managing the At Greatest Trek social media pages on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, and Mastodon. Follow those accounts and use the hashtag GreatestTrek to connect with other friends of DeSoto online. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.